0: Welcome to Bookshelf Remix, a spoilerful podcast where two scholars take deep dives into pop fiction by underrepresented authors. My name is Elena. And I'm Eva. Today we're discussing Gold Diggers, a novel by Sanjina Satyan. But before we start, I would like to formally welcome Eva as my new co-host. Would you like to say a few words? Yes, hi, my name's Eva.
1: I'm a researcher at University College London and I'm just so excited to be a part of this podcast. I had the great pleasure of meeting Elena through um, the wonderful Bookstagram and getting into some close reading of books together. And being early career academics, we share the habit of going in hard with reading and analyzing so
0: i'm really looking forward to this podcast to do that more and if you want a bit more of what eva does you can always check back on our episode on the panopticon in season two so let's begin so i'll just briefly give a synopsis of the book honestly the book jacket basically gives the whole plot <laughs> like, <laughs> it is very much an experience book and not mm. a plot book in that sense so Absolutely. Gold dig- in gold diggers we follow neil narayan from the sweltering heat of the georgia summer to the future obsessed tech scene of the bay area neil navigates his indian american identity helped and harmed by his neighbor anita dayal and her mother anjali who introduce him to their secret for success lemonade mixed with liquid gold soon however neil discovers that all magic has a price and i'll just add a content warning that this book and therefore our discussion contains mentions of suicide and addiction we won't get graphic about it but it is essential to the plot of the book and we can't really avoid talking about it so first things first how did you feel about the book
1: well, I really enjoyed this book. I think I've said before that I don't read um a lot of, I guess, what you might call magical realism or books featuring magic, but I loved the beautiful imagery throughout this book, particularly of the alchemy scenes where the lemonade is being prepared. I just thought that was really well done and it was extremely vivid. And I also liked that throughout this book, the authorial voice or the narrator's voice is interested in exploring different parts of history, sort of fake history created for the purposes of this book, linked in with some real things as well. And it really felt like that narrator was the historian of their own life and the lives of others as the book progressed, which was very, very cool almost felt non-fiction in parts. So that was fun to see. What did you think?
0: I agree. I don't know if you've read Educated by Tara Westover. And what I liked about that book is kind of, yes, it's a memoir, but it's also an exploration or musings on memory and what memory means. And I feel like this is similar. Like, yes, there's a plot and there's a story, but it's also musings on the meaning of history. I particularly liked it when Neil was explaining how he lives in a place that is obsessed with the future and what it means to him to look for answers in the past, in the sense that he feels like we are accountable to the past because it's already happened. So, like it, with the future, you can kind of divest yourself of any responsibility. And I thought like all of that was really beautiful in a novel that could have easily been very heavy-handed because of these stories of you know second generation immigrants and being like, Who am I? And that is very much what the book is about. But I I thought it was beautifully crafted. And I love the prose. Like I love Satyan's like the way she writes. I felt that it was so vivid and painted a lush picture. I could really feel like the whole setting was tinted in gold lens. Like you could be in Georgia and you could be in San Francisco. And I know I really enjoyed the experience of the book. It was kind of difficult at times. I was not prepared for the addiction storyline. Neil kind of gets addicted to the magic lemonade and then gets addicted to like Adderall and cocaine or uses it at least as, like, unhealthy coping mechanisms, and I I have my own issues with, like, I've never liked reading or about people being addicted to drugs. I don't know why. Um, I've had to put down books in the past because I just couldn't deal with it. But it's usually, it was about, like, the lying and the deceit that, around addiction that really troubles me and there wasn't that much of that here and I mean we can talk about that later in terms of like how they meshed in addiction with supernatural elements and magic elements as well but in general I thought this was a beautiful book it was just a lot heavier than I anticipated I thought it would be like a fun heist romp I
1: think I was imagining a book where everything would get kind of tied up neatly in a bow at the end. Um, In the blurb, it talks about what choice do Anita and Neil have to pull off one last heist. Mm -hmm. And you kind of feel like, Oh, everything's going to be kind of neatly resolved. But this book was a lot kind of deeper and more nuanced than that. We're left with a lot of questions and there are really no simple answers. We're left with questions about how exactly this magic works, which we'll come back to later, what the repercussions and the costs of it are. Um, We're left with questions about what the point is. (laughs) So what Neil and Anita are really trying to achieve with this magic, like what is the desired outcome? And we're also kind of yeah, left wondering about what's fact yeah. and what's fiction in this book. As I mentioned, that Neil writes his thesis on um, a Bombayan who is visiting, or who was part of the gold rush. And we never kind of understand how true that was. And we do, in the end of the book, get our little heist. um, And we do get some warm, fuzzy feelings, but we are left... It is a lot more complex than I was expecting and a lot more ambiguous. And I did really enjoy (laughs) that.
0: Yeah, the, the plot definitely accelerates towards the last third of the book when they're preparing to a major heist basically it turns into a heist book at the end i didn't also want to say because you just said it's not about having clear cut answers i think sathyan also wove together beautifully how this reflection on history um contrasted with the obsession with the future or achieving a better future is shared but in different ways by neil and anita's like immigrant community and the kind of mainstream white communities they live in both in georgia and in california so it's not like oh we're losing our identity we need to like fit in with the white people or it's not like oh american ways are like the best thing and i can't wait to get rid of my traditional parents. It's, it really explores kind of the darkness in in the fact of being obsessed with productivity and achievement and always looking towards the future. And I wanted to ask you, how does this compare in a way to what we've read with Isabella Allende, for example?
1: Hmm. <laughs> yeah so um for our listeners Alana and I have um read The House of the Spirits together and I have also read The Long Petal of the Sea by Isabel Allende and The House of the Spirits also had many elements of magical realism it's also very much a story about family and a story about Um, these generations but to me Gold Diggers felt so much more real or rooted in the reality of relationships and the miscommunications and the mismatches and all of that whereas it Isabel Allende's work sometimes feels to me a little bit like we we have caricatures of families and all those interpersonal connections feel like a metaphor for something else because people interact in ways which are so extreme or so heavily characterized that it's not that true to how they might interact in real life. I found the characters in Gold Diggers um, a lot more lovable <laughs> um, wow. elena knows the characters i'm referring to in house of the spirits which i just couldn't stand i guess if we're gonna call this magical realism and there's some controversy about where and when we should apply that but if we are going to call it that it's nice in this book to see magical realism used in such a modern setting even if the magic has these kind of roots in Anjali's past and Anjali's family to see it applied in such a forward-facing modern way it's like yeah that was that was really really fascinating um and I I enjoyed that plot line a lot
0: I ask in part because both authors and both stories if we're taking the house of the Spirits really look at kind of intergenerational relationships and trauma and there's a kind of broadcast of characters and it's interesting that you say that this is more developed because so in Isabella Allende there are like specific pairings of different people and there's this idea that you know these two people really know each other and no one else knows them as much as they know them etc and i feel in gold diggers especially between neil and anita who are childhood friends and neil kind of always has a crush on anita but then they get really sucked in deep because they share this secret that is this kind of secret alchemy process that is passed down through Anjali, Anita's mother, so it's kind of like a heritage magic practice that Neil stumbles onto and therefore is initiated in, and so they have this, but they still don't know each other in like a very deep way, and I don't know why, but that really resonated with me, this idea of these two people that are so linked and objectively, you know, really know one another but they're still kind of opaque to each other.
1: Yeah, and that felt very realistic to sometimes what those relationships, which you have had for so long, are like, that you can fall out of tune and just really not know Mm -hmm. the other person in the end. And it also links, I think, to both Anita and Neil are very aimless in their aspiration aspiration as we've talked about is a huge theme in this book but neither of them quite know what they're aspiring towards which means it sort of comes down to them not really knowing themselves or what they want which makes it very hard for them to know one another and that felt a lot more realistic than Mm -hmm. the way Allende deals with the relationships um so we've got magical realism but real relationships.
0: Yeah, I mean, this book was billed as magical realism and I know there's a discussion about whether that category should only apply to South American authors. My view is that it's it's an imperfect category in general because it's often applied to authors who are expressing actual and living spiritual views of certain cultures and certain peoples. Like I know, for example, magical realism is often attributed or put on like indigenous books or Afrofuturism. And when those books are depicting stories and myths that, you know, some some people actively believe in and that is part of their kind of sacred practice. <laughs> so this idea of like being like, oh, magical realism as is this, like, thing that we can look on as like oh it's just like real life but with fairy dust on it (laughs) yeah it it made me feel like the book is anchored like the story even though it's fiction is anchored in a kind of real history of kind of of discussing real interest in alchemy (laughs) and all of these things so yeah it's kind of um a little turducken <laughs> of, of gold digging um, but I guess we should discuss like what the gold actually means and the gold does in this book so at first the, I guess a simple way of saying it is it helps you achieve your goals which I think makes it Um, plausible then that after the gold runs out Neil would replace it with stimulants like Adderall and cocaine because it allows him to focus and to get things done but it's a bit more complicated than that. Yeah
1: and one of the big questions we're left with through this book is what the repercussions of this magic are so the way that the magic works is that Anita and Neil have to steal gold from members of their community in order to make the magic work and we always wonder what the repercussions are for the people they're taking the gold from so it does have this kind of magic with a cost kind of thing and Another thing I find really interesting about how this magic works is that it's not just a legacy from um, Angelie's family. Um, So her mother used this gold to, or uh, used this gold recipe or something similar to it to help her brother with his exams, but not for her because she wasn't meant to go to school and in the same way as him and stuff like that but um this magic hasn't been shared with her in entirety so we do see that she has to do some of her own investigating and research to kind of update this recipe and make it work for their current context and so i really liked that kind of layer so it makes it seem a lot more like how we would imagine alchemists to work and also a lot more realistic not like oh there's this magic formula and if you just write it out then that's it but there's this element of trial and error and we don't know exactly how it works and we're not sure that they do either like even at the end of the book um when Neil is kind of apologizing for something which may or may not have been an outcome of the magic we're left a little
0: bit uncertain as to that I I really agree because I have a similar thing where you know my father is Filipino and chose not to teach me or my siblings any of his native languages And now I'm kind of an adult and trying to be like, what does it mean to be half Filipina? And how do I like educate myself on kind of the culture and the history of the Philippines and all of these things? So, yeah, I had missed that. I had missed that Anjali does like research on her own. But I do like the fact that, you know, she's kind of portrayed as a gold digger. Like people people judge her a lot because she's kind of runs a catering business while her husband is getting rich in doing tech and she's portrayed as kind of flighty and not serious. But really she just like wanted to be a chemist or something. Like she just like she's very driven like to actually learn and i i thought that was a great addition to the book of it not just being about these two young people who grow up but about seeing her as a like middle-aged woman like really coming into her own and deciding that you know what i'm going to have a lab in a garage (laughs) and experiment i did want to discuss with you how do you feel about the fact that Neil Anita and Anjali are stealing gold from their own community to be able to give themselves power to make it in america
1: yeah like i i I feel like that um kind of theme was explored quite a bit, like the idea of when you sort of succeed or when you progress um in this Society, uh, this extremely competitive society, like, is there a way of doing that that doesn't kind of tread on other people? And I guess, particularly in the context of these second generation immigrant communities where there's very much like this scarcity mindset, like there's a scarcity of places at Harvard or um, for people from this kind of school, or there's a scarcity of, um, you know, appropriate partners or places at a private school. Um, It, it does feel like the people you're competing with aren't the sort of unknown other people you've never met. It's the people who you live next door to. And they're also the people hurt by the things you do in that competition. And we do see that like pretty directly. One of the impacts of that um in their kind of friendship group. What did you, how did you read into that?
0: I mean, I thought it was very interesting. So it wasn't at all a type of Robin Hood mm. narrative. It was In a way, there was a lot about the fact that how the gold was crafted and the intent of the artisan also was very important, which is why at the end of the book, the heist happens at an Indian marriage expo or convention because all of these merchants that have wares from India that are specifically created for weddings so traditional wedding regalia and jewelry basically that they were created with the intent of you know happiness long-lasting union harmony all of these things and so it's very important that to make the lemonade you can't just go buy gold it has to be imbued with someone's essence Mm. in a way and part of the essence is the intent of that person so they will steal gold from people who are very good on the debate team or people who are winning all of the beauty pageants or, you know, people who are driven and have like in a way hope or have something that like motivates mm-hmm. them. And I think that's that's interesting that the line, it kind of broke my heart in a way when Anita mentions like she's very jealous of this white girl at her new private school, which she got into thanks to the mm-hmm. gold as well, um, making her more focused at studying. But she's very jealous and she's like, I wish I could just like steal a, a gold bracelet or some earrings from her so I can get some of this girl's essence. But white girls prefer pearls. Mm-hmm. And it's this idea that at some point, with this ancient magic you you have limited options and I feel like that's also a metaphor Mm. for people like you you can have all the will you want but depending on who you are in life you will have limited options Mm. and sometimes this is what you tell yourself to make the choices you make and hurt the people around you because you're like well I don't have access to pearls Mm. pearls do nothing for me
1: yeah it's like a different brand of help like the sort of thing which you might say oh well just thinking about privilege let's say the university has come up quite a lot like giving people brochures or um like a chance to go to an open day at like a university that might be the kind of thing which might like really help people who already have like the privilege of feeling that that location is like a place where people like them belong or the kind of vocabulary to like pass what the entry requirements are kind of talking about that kind of help might suit some people but it might only suit the people who already hold the privilege and not the people who perhaps might be like in more need of that help or need the help in a different kind of way I don't know like in the UK there's always this political thing of politicians saying like oh well when I was at school I was taught Latin and that really like helped me like get to where I needed to get to and like get to whatever university they went to but like not realizing that what the kind of help that they needed from the backgrounds they're coming from or like the provisions for them they weren't In the same place, or having the same needs, um, or needing things packaged in the same way. So I feel like, yeah, there is like a wider a statement being made by that gold pearls metaphor.
0: Yeah, I hadn't thought about it. That's that's really interesting. And I mean, it is the case that, for example, Neil steals from Wendy his debate partner and she ends up like going to a state university which is you know a crime <laughs> for every second generation sometimes and his sister like Anita steals from his sister Prachi and later alludes to the fact that you know she lost a kind of introspection like she cultivated being empty and has never looked back since and i was said <laughs> chills down my spine i was like oh no robot person but that's it like very soon in the book as soon as the magical element is revealed you can see that magic has a price and i always mm. like that I always like it when they don't just say it has a price, but you see it has a price. Yeah.
1: And we never, what I really enjoyed was we never know exactly what the price is because yeah, there's not this downloading of all the information about how the magic works at any point. So for example, when, Quite a lot of jewellery is taken from one character and this is a spoiler, but we've mentioned it, that that character takes their own life. There's throughout the book, uh, quite a lot of tension between Anita and Neil's perceptions and within Neil about why that occurred. Like, was that simply a result of the magic? Was it a result of Mm -hmm. the bullying that this person experienced? And, this isn't 13 Reasons Why, this is yeah. um, a more realistic portrayal. So we d- we don't know all the different things which might have been going on or, as we know, sometimes suicide is not linked to a set of reasons. It, it has other roots. We just don't know. And same with Neil's addiction. We don't know, is that exactly because of the magic or is is that something else going on? It's like a, a totally seamless line of where the alchemy or the effect of the gold ends and where other things begin and it's never clarified precisely where that is no
0: it's never clarified so the young woman who kills herself her name is shruti and she's kind of academically driven but she's not the prettiest girl and people tend to make fun of her and Neil ends up using her to have access to gold because she has a lot of qualities that he feels he should have. You've mentioned a bit, Eva at the beginning that both Anita and Neil are kind of aimless. Like they both know they should perform, Mm -hmm. but they don't have any desires of their own Mm -hmm. really. And so I feel like Shruti has that and Neil exploits the fact that she's vulnerable and wants a friend and wants attention to get close to her. And he takes a lot of gold, but like through deceit as well. I feel like that's one scene Mm -hmm. where it's like not just sneaking into someone's bedroom and stealing a bangle. It was like actively through deceit Mm -hmm. that he got it like to her face. And then a few days later, she kills herself and that literally haunts Neil. I did think it was really interesting that there was the ghost mm. of Shruti throughout the years. I thought that was great. Mm. I, it's not just like he was hallucinating her. like He was seeing her. Mm. She was always there. She was kind of like impeding his relationships with other women mm. as well. And the fact that, as you say, like he... He doesn't know. He does. Is it the magic that he like sap her essence and like kill her that way, or was it the fact that you know he was just another person who was really awful to mm-hmm. her, <laughs> and there were things that he didn't know that were going on and it tipped her over? Yeah. Or
1: and both him and Anita really want to know. <laughs> they they want to have mm-hmm. an answer, like a, a, a hard and fast reason as to why. Shruti killed herself like and even if that's the worst possible answer which is yes it was you Neil it was all your fault it almost feels to him that that would be better than like just living in this like uncertainty I think there's something yeah really real about that and also I guess through shruti's ghost's presence it's like a constant self-observation as well of neil and external observation of neil like where are you at and what have you done with all that you took Mm. and i think that experience even without the kind of such an extreme sort of context is something which lots of people can relate to that like observing yourself and thinking everything that got put into you or the effort that got put in and like yes have Is it enough? Like, whats what I've done with
0: that enough? I do remember a point in my life where I was fairly concerned with, will I ever live up to my potential? Mm. You know, I grew up and people said, you have so much potential, you have so much potential. But then, is there a point where, you know, you go from being someone with potential to Mm. being someone who wasted it? Like, when do you tip over? And I feel that once, you know... This tragedy happens. They stop making the gold. They also, like, kind of stop talking to one another. And Angelina and Anita move to California. And so that was kind of like the end of their kind of gold period for a while. And both Anita and Neil do not deal with it very well. So Neil, you know, develops a kind of dependence on substances and. Anita has a total mental breakdown. She has to drop out of Stanford and not for the cool, I will start my (laughs) own (laughs) tech startup now. She wasn't Elizabeth Holmes. She was just like, I can't do this anymore. This idea of just performing for performing sake and not actually understanding who I am and what I want to do. And I feel like they... Capture two possible avenues also of what happens when you pressure children into this idea of like you must achieve this type. And I feel like in my family, we always joke that excellence was not an option, it was the only option. <laughs> like, I haven't, I have an Asian parent, but I also have an Asian parent whose own father was kind of scarred by having. Um, I guess my great-grandfather kind of dictate what he should study, what he should do, and so my father always had this idea that I don't really care what you do, but you just have to, like, give it your all and be, like, really good at it. So my parents were definitely the types of, like of course you have A's, like, obviously you have A's, you must always try to achieve excellence. But they also allowed me to be a philosopher. So So in the grand scheme of things, and you know, I did classical music, and I interacted with my fair share of parents who were like hyper motivated about their children being the best. And my parents were pretty mellow when you compare it to that, but I do relate to this idea that, you know, you push, you push, you push. And I also had like a breakdown like related to my health around eighteen or nineteen. And you have to like re question all of these things. And when you're told your only value lies in mm. winning the trophies, achieving the goals. It's really difficult. So I feel like through the portrayal of addiction and the portrayal of, you know, mental health breakdowns that was an interesting and it was very sensitively dealt with as mm. you said
1: yeah i do feel like that layer resonated a lot with me just like that like you've got to push forward and like you say like it doesn't matter where you get to you just need to you just need to keep going and get there and i don't necessarily think that's something that my parents necessarily pushed for but i certainly at school attended a very like hot house school and that was very much the the push just yeah so i can i can definitely resonate with that
0: well yes i mean all in all i would definitely recommend this book it was an enjoyable experience i would say read the content warnings and maybe decide if this is appropriate for you right now but i would gladly read another book if she publishes something else I really like her prose and I feel that it has the right balance of kind of harshness and lyricism for me
1: I think I would recommend this book it's outside of my general wheelhouse and I think sometimes I think maybe I could have done without the heist plot element I think I don't think I needed that like I think I could have had less plot and a little bit more like exploring the characters maybe um in in lieu of that but I would definitely recommend it and yeah just really I enjoyed reading it and did find it sort of a page turner but there was also quite a lot to think about really in each section like there was a lot of depth there which I really enjoy. So do you have any reader-like recommendations? So I do have two recommendations. Um, they're very different because, as I've said multiple times, um I, I haven't read that many books of this genre. Um, but my first recommendation is uh, Brick Lane by Monica Alley. Um, and it's sort it's a book um representing a different um immigrant experience um from the south asian diaspora so it's of a about a bangladeshi family in london first generation immigrants but also from a very different class background to the families described in uh, gold diggers so that might make a nice contrast and also on earth we're briefly gorgeous by ocean vong um which again is an experience of immigrants in the US um, but also immigrants with additional identities of being refugees in this case from um, the Vietnam War so um, yeah I feel like those
0: could be some interesting reads how about you? So if we want some more kind of magical realism in the traditional sense there's The Inheritance of Orchidia Divina by Zoraida Cordova And it's about a family of Ecuadorian descent. So it has multiple generations. It has lots of family members. It has magic as a magic circus. It has a fallen star. um, And it definitely has the through line of the price of magic and also the price it has on your personal relationship. So the idea of family is explored and how do you feel about your family member doing everything to give you the life you have, but also being kind of abusive and cold and distant. Mm. Um, And again, the the prose is beautiful. I feel that Cordova really paints a beautifully colorful picture of this cast of characters. And if not, I recommend El Azoe by Darcy Little Badger. It is an indigenous book with an asexual main character and it, it's in a world, like the world building is done seamlessly, It's I think it's YA so it's like a lot of fun but Ellie or Ela is Lipan Apache and she has the power to raise ghosts and so she has her own ghost dog and it's this idea of um, magic secrets that are passed on through generations of generations, but in this world there are also fairies and there are also vampires, <laughs> and um, there's you know dark magic as well. So I feel like it's in a way it's like a much lighter version of Gold Diggers, but it has the multi generational trope. It has the you know passed on magic and it has the price of magic plus you know ghost dinosaurs <laughs> can't go wrong with ghost dinosaurs really. <laughs> I mean before we close I do want to quickly mention Pranesh uncle oh
1: yes of course
0: <laughs> oh, so uh, number one favourite character yes. Pranesh uncle
1: as soon as I got to the section on Pranesh uncle I was messaging Elena saying you know this bit in the library and we're exploring history and we've got this historian I don't know if you want to introduce his character a little bit
0: he has a brief appearance in the book but a pivotal one because this is when like 13 year old Neil gets introduced to the idea of history so Pranesh uncle is one of his neighbor's family members who has just immigrated from India. And he's decided that the best way to you know, become an American is to become fully immersed in American history. And so he spends a whole summer while Neil is preparing for his debate tournaments. Pranesh uncle is in the library every day, like pouring over every single bit of American history he can get onto. And he's like really absorbing it all. And Neil gets really interested and kind of accompanies him and asks him questions and pranesh finds a reference to the bombayan or this idea that there was an indian man during the gold rush in california and later on when neil grows up he becomes obsessed with finding like references to this and there's possibility that maybe this man then took on a jewish name and that was kind of lost through it. so this idea of again assimilation of finding someone who looks like you, who appears in a time period where you don't think you belong, and this idea of what it takes to make a home for oneself. All of that is kind of like a side plot that happens, and we get to see some of Neil's research through that. And I really love that. So it was just... We, we didn't mention it, I guess, because it doesn't really matter to the plot plot, but it is very important to what we were saying when we were talking about the importance and the reflections on history and identity.
1: It was so interesting, again, Neil as a historian, but also in that trying to find himself it felt like quite emotional this kind of scrambling to find like is there a place for me in the in Silicon
0: Valley (laughs) in the yeah um gold rush um
1: yeah
0: I felt in general it was a book with a lot of heart without having like super likable characters in a way yeah like they were all complicated um but it has a lot of heart all right where can people find you on the internet so, you can find me on the interwebs
1: uh, by following me on Twitter at EA sprecker or on Instagram um, at Windup Book Chronicles. You can also find me on ResearchGate if you're that way inclined. Um, and I also co host another podcast. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at
0: research. Elena G. Yes. and at Spinoodler on Instagram and on my website, elenagotsimamorill.com. If you want to hear my voice in your ear some more, you can listen to my two other podcasts, Philosophy Casting Call and Women of Questionable Morals.
1: And you can also follow Bookshelf Remix at Bookshelf Remix on all platforms. Please rate and review our show. This allows more people to find it. And you can also support the podcast by giving a tip on ko-fi.com forward slash brpod.
0: So text your friend who wears gold jewelry about the show.
1: Text a childhood
0: friend about the show. And remember to give your bookshelf a good remix.